podcast, Fictionality. Uh, I am Scott Heron. And I'm John Ferguson. And we are two guys who don't know anything about making films, and we're here to discuss the making of films in general and our own film project, Fictional Fiction. Um, so, let's see what we've got on this week. We've got some brief updates, as always. Uh, we're going to talk about um, our script, which has made making some amazing progress. Uh, we've... Uh, um, got some production schedule information for you and we're going to be talking about the acting workshops that we're going to be looking at um, in a bit more detail we're going to be giving you some uh, more information about what exactly we want to get out of it and stuff um, we're also going to be well there's some, a few bits and pieces that we'll uh, sort of bring up that I kind of I found a couple of things online that uh, is quite interesting and uh, talk to you a little bit about podcasting kits and stuff so without further ado Let's uh, let's uh, dive in here a little bit. Uh, what should we talk about? Let's see the script progress update. Uh, you've been doing quite a lot of stuff actually recently, haven't you, John? Compared mm. to the script stuff, you you did. Um, I'm sorry, I wasn't really paying attention. What were we doing? Uh, the script stuff. Oh, the script stuff. That's right. Um, yeah, with Scott Good, I wasn't paying attention. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was talking. Uh, yeah, the script stuff. Uh, yeah, we did really well this week. We. Um, where were we last week? We are at seven pages last week. And now we're at, what, 12? 12, yeah. So that's like five pages in the space of a week. I mean, Yeah, they were all important pages as well. There was like a lot of really interesting stuff in those... Um, those uh, how many pages is that? Five? Five pages, yeah. A lot of really interesting stuff in those five pages, actually. Yeah, I mean, like, we were... Um, I mean, what's the usual update's been about, like, two or something like that. So, I mean, that's that's quite good. <laughs> we, had a, yeah, we had a good uh, a talk through the, the script as well, and we kind of... Um, I was having a bit of... Our problem trying to grasp exactly the different tones that um, we were trying to go for, and uh, so we kind of went through and uh, uh, kind of talked through the script, and it helped me to figure out exactly what tones and what kind of expressions were supposed to be. Yeah, I, I found there's been a problem with uh, the narrative form and the script writing form. I find the narrative form um, it's easier to quantify the tone of things, and in script, I've, I'm struggling with that. I, I, I'm not blaming you, Scott, because I think it's, it's hard to tell what the tone's supposed to be from from a script. I don't, I don't know how script writers do that, though. Like, I don't know, they just add little addendums or something? I don't know. Maybe they say, laugh here, or this is meant to be yeah. jovial, or... I don't know. I don't. I really don't think I'm good at writing scripts. Writing scripts is a whole thing I just don't know anything about. But that's that's uh, part of the fun of this project, is that mm. we're trying to, trying to learn from not knowing very much. But do you think this is where it helps that it is such a small production? Because I can just sit down and tell you what things mean. <laughs> that's true or the tone do you know what I mean whereas if it was a bigger production I would actually have to learn how to write scripts and put that kind of stuff in the script somehow I have no idea how that's really done but you know that's true that's very true um, so uh, yeah we also well I, I have a bit of a confession to make I uh, I lost the production schedule that um, we spoke about I think it was a couple of episodes ago it was episode maybe 6 or something I can't really remember um, it was on my laptop and I accidentally deleted it because I was having a problem with the share folder and blah 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 but anyway um, made a new one um, but fortunately I think this time it's much better it's a lot more in depth mm. um, than the last one was and there's all the kind of well informal dates are on there and it gives us a good idea of like the timeline things are actually going to take us and stuff yeah. seeing as we're beginning to come to a bit more of a uh, conclusion with the script what's well, it's kind of it's getting on to the point now where we're even starting to think about ahead yeah, the, the, script's, the script's just been this big, huge bottleneck in the production of it all. Um, I don't know why. It feels like the script's really... It's, I think it's probably because I don't want to do the script. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been this kind of bottleneck of just this thing we've got to get done. 
Um, plus, I think as well, it's kind of preventing Scott from getting on with things because he can't really start some stuff that he was going to be doing until the script's done. There's, there's so much stuff can't really start until the script's done, obviously. You know, that makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, we had a good read through this sort of... Uh, uh, we had to go through read through the script today, and that I think that was good for like progress mm. and and updating stuff. Because I mean, one of the things I was going to do was to read through it anyway, and uh, sort of obviously give my opinions and uh, help to re-edit it and stuff like that. So because we, obviously we want like a couple of drafts of this thing, so mm-hmm. doing that all at once is is a good thing. It was good initial acting experience for me as well, actually. Yeah, you you talked through um, Martin's role yeah. um, and stuff, so that was quite interesting to see. And um, yeah, it was it was good. I think yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. The 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 dialogue is a little bit um, wooden though. I, 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 don't, I don't think it was just my acting. I think the dialogue is actually quite wooden. But yeah, well, again, we, though, we'll come to that. I, actually, will we talk about that now or are we doing that later? Um, oh, either or, it's really. Oh, actually, we're onto that now. Okay, cool. That worked really well. It was a nice little segment yeah, that I, I interrupted and ruined. <laughs> um, that's one of the things we're trying to get out of the acting workshops that we're going to be doing. Um, Obviously, I've written the script, blah, 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 blah. But the script is not a set-in-stone thing, obviously. The the plan is that we're going to do these acting workshops. And um, the things we're going to be... sort of things we're going to be doing are reading through the skip, the skip, the script again and again and again and again and again and until we know it, you know, in insane detail and really start to, you know, dissect it and understand why I chose to do things. Easier for me than Scott, I presume, since I came up with it, but we'll... <laughs> Absolutely. Um... Another th- the other points are one it helps us to develop the characters. So, like one of the things you can do, well, we'll kind of go into this more at the time. But one of the things you can do is say, okay, you are character X or Y, and let's put you in the situation that, has, that isn't in the script, and just you just go with that. You just try and be that character in that situation. That that can help you develop the characters. And in in continuing to read through the script and act out the script, um, you can sort of smooth out wooden dialogue or elaborate on dialogue that maybe isn't structured enough and that kind of thing. So mm, mm. the more you run through it, the more you start to hear what it should sound like compared to the character that you're developing in your head. And yeah. I suppose really good writing, you wouldn't need that because the character would be better defined and the the writing would sound more flowing than, than what I've created. But it's good for us. And also, again, it's a good ex- acting experience for us. And not everything we're going to be doing in the acting workshops is going to be from the film. We're just going to be doing some general random weirdness and uh, uh, doing a lot of kind of improv stuff. And yeah, I'm actually kind of curious as to how exactly this is going to go. I have I have big plans for the acting workshop. Um, that's another thing. Scott was actually asking me today, like, are we going to be doing uh, buying books on acting and things like that? And I'm I'm so against that for some reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have, I have no strong like, feeling. That I I I don't believe in acting books. I well, don't, th- I I don't think you can learn acting from a book. I don't think anything that's in an acting book is going to be a set- essentially very helpful. I think we're going to have much better benefit from trial and error over a number of months hmm. with us being very critical of each other. Yeah. I think that's going to be better than anything. We I think I think really at this point, reading a book on it's just wasted time. Well, I guess we, we both know what we want to see from, yeah. like, you know, we both, like, kind of into movies and stuff like that, so I guess we can help to direct each other into mold mm-hmm. where we want to go, so... yeah. Hopefully, that, hopefully that will be enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I just you know, any time I've read anything on acting, it's just the most stupid and obvious things. And by the way, I'm not trying to diss people like actual acting schools and stuff. That's actually pretty good stuff, and you know, obviously, that will work out for you. But anything I've ever read about acting is not good. I think acting is something you can either have to be taught in person, or you just learn from practice. I, I really don't think acting books work very well. And I'm, 
that is overly general, and I admit that, but, you know, I've just never read anything in an acting book I didn't already know. Fantastic. Plus, you know, I'm a fantastic liar. Well, well... That's, that's uh, got to go a long way, right? Yeah, that's where I fall down. <laughs> um, do you want to... I'm not uh, really, by the way. I don't, I don't want people thinking I'm a horrible person that go around lying all day. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I um, don't know. I don't think you were really No, no, war, John, is, John is very upstanding. <laughs> He's a very, very upstanding uh, young Glaswegian. I'm not um, sure I believe that you killed Hitler, John. I'm not sure about that at all. <laughs> you killed Hitler? Yeah, yeah, I killed Hitler. Well, i got to give you kudos points for that because that must have been quite difficult. Steve Hitler. <laughs> Did you have a time machine then? Did you travel back in time? No. Who's Steve Hitler? Mm? Who's the, the other Hitler. Oh, this is going in a weird direction. The one I killed. <laughs> <laughs> You probably don't want to admit that on a podcast. <laughs> uh, sorry, on an episode of a podcast. Uh, oh, who cares? Who cares? Um, do you want to do you have a quick kind of look over the production plan that we made, or should we just like skip that completely? Because uh, no, we can do that. Because it's kind of, I guess it's kind of boring, but freestyling, free freestyle away. Um, Why just do the summary? Yeah, just do a very brief summary. Of it. Okay, script writing ends in the start of December. We write up a bunch of tutorials. Oh, which we never put in the dates for actually. Oh, you whoops. They're all supposed to be done by the end of the acting workshops. Anyway, um, oh, they're not actually, they're supposed to be done before that. Anyway, a uh, bunch of tutorials, then we do storyboarding, then production planning, then our initial first edit, which is based on the storyboard. So we'll have a kind of storyboarded version of the film, which can be watched, and Scott, excuse me, just burped. Scott and I will then it's do um, dubbing on that, just with, that's pretty much all that will be in that, dubbing and maybe a little bit of Foley work. Yeah. Probably not, though, it's probably just dubbing. We can then hand it over to Jen, she, she can start working on some initial scoring stuff. Uh, then we begin the acting workshops, and at the same point as we begin the acting workshops, we're going to start doing the animatic. We still haven't totally decided if we're doing a full animatic of the whole film, or if we're just going to take the original storyboard script, uh, storyboard version, and then put animatics in for complicated parts or CGI parts, we haven't decided yet. I think at the moment we're still pushing for the whole film, but we'll see how it goes with time. Uh, which will allow us to produce our second edit of the film, which will include animatics. Um, then we're going to be doing special and digital effects planning, which is deciding exactly how we're going to carry out the CGI filming side of things, not the actual CGI computer stuff, and also any other special effects we're going to have in the film, which isn't quite as many as you might think, if you know what I mean. Most of our stuff is CGI, but there's there's a couple of things like Scott and I were talking today about. Um, there's a shot where a guy runs past the window, and he's supposed to be doing it so quickly it's almost like a blur and we were discussing things like, you know, would we actually have a guy run past the window or would we CGI in a blur? Things like that, you have to kind of discuss these things through. Then we start principal filming in June, I think is the plan. Yep. June for principal filming. Um, we're giving ourselves, what, three months or something for filming? Uh, yeah. But it's not really three months, guys. When you think about it, we only really work on Saturdays. So it's like 12 days. <laughs> <laughs> um, then once we've got the filming done... We can do um, score recording. Um, now, I'm not sure. I think it's a bit dubious the way that we've put this in the schedule because we've actually got it down. The score recording is done before the third edit, which I think is wrong, isn't it? Mm, is I guess we probably... Because we're scoring to the final film, surely. No, but there's a, it was not a fourth edit. Is there? Yeah, there's an edit four. Oh, okay. Which but then, is but then, together of uh, but, everything. But we should no. We should still definitely be editing after. Because I mean, well, if we if we do the score recording first, then we're still recording from the animatic. Well, fil- 
Edit 3 was supposed to be for dubbing and folly work on top of so I would have said that the score recording would be put on top of after all that's been done yeah so that should actually be after the edit 3 yeah okay so we've put that wrong we'll, we'll fix that in a minute so we then do the third edit which will be um, there'll be no CGI or special effects in that basically it'll be the the final edit of the film in essence but without music or special effects yeah. and we'll we'll do all the dubbing and fully work um, then we'll give that to Jen to kind of sync up with her piano part and other stuff and then that will allow us to then do the recording of the score at some point, which we haven't really decided exactly on, but we're going to give ourselves like a month to do that. At that point also, we'll start to decide whether we, we actually need to do reshoots or not. We're really hoping we don't have to do reshoots because um, the reason we're doing all the filming in summer and why we've got a 12-day shooting schedule is because Scotland has extremely variable weather. And if we, oh, film, yes. it, if we film it in summer then the chances of the weather being relatively consistent are quite high. It's the best time of year for consistent weather. Not that yeah. it is, but it's the best time of year. I mean, mid-June, July is probably the best chance of not getting snow, I would have said as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if we have to do reshoots, and we, if we don't know, we're, we're definitely doing reshoots until you know October, that basically means we're going to have to do an autumn-winter shoot, which basically means we'd have to reshoot most of the film or at least most of the outdoor stuff that was outdoor reshoots. If it's indoor reshoots, it doesn't matter so much. So we really don't want to have to do reshoots except ones that are simple to do. So I don't know, we'll see how that works out. Um, at that stage, um, you know, we'll re-edit that back into edit three. And at that point, we might kind of start leering on the, the score recording and stuff. So hopefully, basically, by the end of next year, I think that's pretty much the plan, by the end of next year, we should have a completely finished version of the film, but with no special effects. Is that yep. right, Scott? Yeah. Yep. Minus the CGI. Okay. And then that gives us... I think we're, we're seeing... Uh, eight months? Eight months. Eight months to do the CGI. Um, some people would say that's pessimistic. Some people would say that's optimistic. We don't know. We're seeing eight months because we don't know, basically. Um, and then after we've done the CGI, it's just about integrating it back in, which is to do with getting you know light levels right, environment levels right, compositing correct, that kind of stuff. And that allows us to produce the last edit of the film. Um, and then after that's all fun and games. It's uh, premieres, distribution, make, merchandising, books, games. Obviously documentaries. BBC documentaries. <laughs> um, Oscar? Yeah, Oscar. I think we will probably... If if the rules allow it, we may try and submit it to a couple of festivals. See how that goes. I want to go to Cannes. I like I like France. France is fun. Yeah, I don't know if we, I don't know if we'll manage that to be honest. But I, I think it'd be, it'd be interesting to at least see if we even get accepted to a festival. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, well, we should just go to France up. anyway. That'd be fun. You think so? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well. I maybe. don't know France that well. With the strikes, that's good. Anyway, um, so yep, that's the acting workshops. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I was kind of jumping around the internet and I uh, found an article uh, by The Hindu, which is India's national paper, um, on something called the Monsoon Cinefest, which is uh, um, being put on by Ellis Foundation. And Ellis Foundation is just a, a, a non-profit organisation which is designed to uh, promote progressive society by supporting projects that mobilize community leadership in India and um, uh, what, what they've kind of got at the moment is a competition for young people to enter movies that they filmed on their mobile phones um, to uh, um, 
this kind of this uh, festival in order to try and promote the idea is to try and promote um, kids to get involved with filmmaking to try and bring forward uh, budding talents and stuff like that and people who are passionate about movies to kind of bring them out to get them into the the industry and stuff and uh, I think they're doing some of the guise of uh, social kind of uh, awareness and stuff like that um, but I kind of thought that fitted in quite nicely to what uh, we're doing in terms of um, kind of doing this whole project as a way to try and get people to bring out their in, their talents and to have a go um, just like everything else with open source and so I think we've touched on this in previous podcasts but I just thought that was an interesting um, thing on the internet that, that similar stuff is going on um, I think I think other people actually people have done it for like other reasons as well like Nokia and Sky have had like um uh, competitions that have involved submitting short movies on things like mobile phones and such as well that um, have all been um, sort of, I don't know, submitted in the cinema or in Sky or whatever that, and stuff like that, which has also been the same sort of thing, promoting this kind of um, amateur sort of filmmaking. But at the same time, I think there might have been a, a different um, take on that in terms of to just try and sell mobile phones to people in the case of Nokia. Um, I don't know in terms of with Sky, maybe it was in conjunction with something else, I'm not sure, but... Um, but yeah, I just thought I'd, uh, I'd mention that. That's actually kind of a boring link, but there you go. Um, <laughs> Going to make it sound more ideological, like I did. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just don't have the mindset for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh dear, what am I talking about? <laughs> uh, what's this What's this all about? Um, not liking uh, filmmaking kits. Mm. And, uh, oh, well, there was that, what was that green screen thing? Well, we I found a, a a sort of filmmaking kit the other day, the name of which I shall quite happily mention, even though we'll probably get sued. It was called the Creation Station. Um, what, was, what was that called? Sorry, Creation Station. I see. I'm not I'm not specifically debunking that one in particular, by the way. Uh, and I think actually, in and of itself, it's probably not that bad as these things go. Um, the Creation Station is um a kit that allows you to do basic green screening. So you get a camera. The camera has the basics that you would need. It has a microphone built in, you know, a kind of, a kind of light built into it, and it has a camera. And it comes with a tripod, and it comes with two big green screen sheets, and it comes with some software that does uh, chroma keying. Uh, and in and of itself, it's maybe not that bad. It's £100, um, which I thought was a bit pricey for what you're getting. Um, and anyway, Scott and I kind of briefly discussed whether or not to get this because we, 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 we one, one point green screening was going to be a big part of our whole little film project, and then when it turned more into the kind of the areas of proper film, we, we shied away from green screen in favour of uh, augmented reality, which is you know, adding in CGI elements to existing scenes. Um, now I'm not I'm not specifically debunking this, but it's actually probably not that bad. It's not good for us in that we'd be paying a hundred pounds when we already have a camera and a tripod and. Yeah, but software. What was the quality of the camera and stuff like? I don't know. It, they said it was a full resolution, which I guess means what six forty by four eighty or something. Mm, it sounds like a webcam to me. Yeah, and it then, is a webcam because thing it doesn't record. You have to be plugged into a PC. Oh, there you go then. Yeah. Did you say something about the software was also free as well? Well, not exactly. You can go to the website and just download the software. Okay. It's it's supposed to be for people that own the camera. I don't know if it works with other cameras. I never checked. Um, but you know, in that sense, you could argue you're not paying for the software because you could just get it for free. So you're paying for green screens, the camera, and we were. The thing is, we didn't, we didn't, we were trying to find out if you really needed proper green screens or not. We we tried to do some green screen tests 
Mm, uh, way back. Successful. Well, it's because we didn't really use proper green screen. One, we That's just true. used my my cream wallpaper that I have in my house in a poorly lit room where uh, the top of the wall was clearly darker than the bottom. Yeah, from shadows. Uh, and quite frankly, cream isn't that far away from Scott's skin, skin colour. It was Scott we used as the model for this. <laughs> so large parts of Scott's face disappeared with things. Yeah. Um, I think Chroma King, though, as far as we can tell, and we've done a little bit more research uh, since we found out about the creation station, greens, the only reason green is used is because it doesn't tends not to match you know, your skin colour. That's the only reason it's used. Mm. Um, and it's not always green screen that uses it. It depends very much on what the object that's going to be placed there is. That's so true. that's the first thing to know. The green screen doesn't matter. Well, what, what, happens if, uh, what happens if you're uh, an alien and your skin is green? Then the alien will probably disappear. Oh, I see. Yeah, they'd probably use blue screen then. What well, what happens if your skin is blue? Well, you use green screen. What happens if both? You use pink screen. Oh, I see. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so the but the point is the main thing to get right is make sure it's a completely level surface with an equal light distribution. So you don't want anything that has kinks in it, if you know what I mean. So if you had a fabric, make sure it's completely smoothed out. Mm. And all you really need to get right with green screen is have a completely uh, level lighting scheme. So that no part of it's darker than any other part. And you can light the object in any way you like. It's just that the, the actual background has to be a consistent colour. And if you can do that, green screen will work pretty much all the time. It doesn't matter what the equipment is, it all comes down to software. So from that point of view, the creation station, it doesn't make that much sense for us. Actually, I'm not really debunking it, because actually that's not what it's intended for. And for what it's intended for, actually it sounds like it's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was, but I, I'm worried that there's like a lot of these kind of like film kits out there that I don't really know how useful they are. Now, if you go to our website, we've, we've recommended a couple of books. We do highly recommend those books. We think those are really good books. But there's a couple of books and stuff that we're not sure we think are great. For instance, debunking a book that's not even out yet, there's a book we saw on pre-order today at Amazon called The Power Filmmaking Kit. Make your professional movie on a next-to-nothing budget. Now, actually, I've got to say, in thinking about it, this is going to sound like we're being really nasty in debunking this one because it has a really similar goal to us and it'll sound like we're being purposely controversial maybe, mm. maybe we shouldn't debunk this one well I don't think we've got enough evidence based on just no. watching the trailers and- okay well, well I'll tell you what it is anyway it's a guy called uh, Jason uh, Tamarick and uh, he made a film called Time and Again it was a 60 minute film which he claims to have made for two thousand dollars um, I say claims they've made because we're dubious about that claim. However, yeah, fair enough. Um, keeping in mind that our current film budget, and we've been pretty frugal, is about the same, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. We can, I think, maybe there's some contacts there or something that he's used. Mm. But uh, I mean, there was in the trailer. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much things like this cost, but in the trailer, there's uh, a vintage car that they've used. Yeah. Um, so either they know someone with a vintage car or they've got it really really cheap and it just doesn't cost that much for those but I would have yeah. thought those would be expensive I know how much they cost in Britain they're expensive in Britain because I know there's people that own these vintage cars they, they actually charge quite a bit of money however there's actually some other people who just enjoy getting their car on display will do it for free so so maybe it's hard to argue but you know there's, there's a lot of stuff that we saw in the trade they were kind of like mm, we'd be surprised if you did this for less than two grand but still it's, it's very cool that, um, that they're having a go and that mm-hmm. it's been successful um, I suppose the big difference between us and this guy is that this guy is actually a professional who has managed to do it for two grand, and he's written this book to try and show you how to make a professional level film for you know no money kind of thing, which is again very similar to our, our project goals. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know that I'd entirely agree that it's, uh, you know, Hollywood level, which is what he, he claims. I know it was, it won an award, you see, and I think it was actually picked up for some kind of mainstream distribution of some nature. Mm. I think that was the claim. Yeah, it kind of, yeah, it, what was it? What was it? Know. It was an award that they got. I think the problem that we have with it is, you know, Scott and I, as you probably know, are quite into fan fiction. And one particular one which we're very fond of um, is Star Trek New Voyages, which Amazing. is a, a continuation of the original Star Trek series. Amazing. Go check it out. Go do a search on Google yeah. for it. I don't quite know what the website is. I think is. it's just newvoyages.com. It's amazing. Go check it out. That's really good. You really should check that out for amateur filmmakers. Um, now, okay, I admit I have no idea what the budget is for New Voyages, and it probably is probably isn't more than two grand. However, my point being that as far as I'm aware, they actually are amateurs. Hmm. They are totally amateurs. Um, and that being the case, they produce, what, 40 minutes? Is each one of those episodes 40 minutes? Yeah, roughly about 40 minutes. Okay, so they're producing 40 minutes an episode. His film was 60 minutes. Their 40 minutes is totally Hollywood level. But put it this way, it's significantly better than the original Star Trek series. I'd say it's more the kind of... It's the level of the next generation, but in the style of the original series. Yeah, I would say that. Is that a good sum up, Scott? I would say the acting, well, I suppose the acting is, is original series style and things like the yeah. shaking of the bridges, the yeah, camera they've styled, wobble, they've styled everything like the original series, but the actual quality of the production yeah, this, is about the level of the next generation. The CGI is probably the level of quality that Next Gen had in its first three seasons before, mm-hmm. like when it was early on. The later yeah. seasons had got much better because they had a yeah. huge budget, but... Um, I mean, it's it's so good and it's so close to like the original that they actually get the original stars to appear. That's right. Yeah. It's amazing. The last one they had, uh, um, no, they had who was it? They had is uh, 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 Sulu was in was in the last one, and the previous one was Chekhov. Mm-hmm. It's Chekhov Sulu, and the next one's going to have Lieutenant Yar. Yeah, uh, the actress who played Lieutenant Yar in Next Gen is going to be in. She's not. She's not playing Lieutenant Yar, though. I don't think. No, no, it's just, a, it. it's just a random. I think it's a science. And they had in, in the in the first episode. In fact, the one that had um, Chekhov in it, they had another woman that was in the early ones as well, wasn't it? Yeah, they also had. Um, it's one of the aides for um, the Doctor, and uh, I think uh, Kirk and stuff like that in the original series was yeah. in it. But they've also got um, Michelle Barrett to continue to do the computer voice now that they've introduced in. Oh, in the series as well so oh, she cool. was also um, did it and I think they did it all for free so it's, it's it really is really really amazing well we're, we're assuming they did it for free just because we know it's fan fiction we don't actually have no idea well if they didn't do it for free they're not charging anything on the website and it's freely available to download so I know but they may just be willing to pay the actors for their love of making the show you know? well if that's true then they're geekier than us <laughs> well it's like there's, this, there's the Star Wars one as well the, the Imps uh, film that is awesome They've only they've only done the first two kind of chapters of that. I think it's two chapters. Yeah. I thought they'd finished that. No, no, they're barely through that. That that is so amazing. The first one was based on cops, wasn't it? And the, the uh, yeah, well, yeah, there, there was there was there was troops, which was what those people made first, which was a fifteen minute kind of thing they made, which yeah. was yeah, it was it was a parody of cops, but it was it was um, stormtroopers. But it's actually it's actually taking place around the time of the first couple of days of A New Hope. Mm. Hilarious. Because you're seeing like Luke's burnt up family and stuff like that. Amazing very, quality. Very funny. very funny, yeah. But um, Imps is their full scale film project that they're doing. Um, they're actually making a full length feature film, feature Star Trek film. Not that that hasn't been done Star before. Wars. There's, yes. Oh, did I say Star Trek? Sorry, yeah. Star Wars. 
Um, that's been done before. There was Revelations, which uh, wasn't wasn't bad. It was pretty good. Um, yeah, that was okay. That was the one. Uh, that was one that had the Alien and Predator uh, appearing in it. Wasn't no, it? no, that's that's Imps. Was that Imps? That's Imps is saying that. No, Revelations is that's a, that's a couple of years old now. You can get it, you can probably still get it online though. Revelations wasn't wasn't bad. It's it's nowhere near the kind of production scale that Imps is. However, Imps isn't amateurs. They are actual filmmakers that in their spare time are making this Star Wars film. Mm. But it's the quality is really, really good. It's again well worth checking out. I'm sad they haven't they haven't released a new chapter in quite a while now. It must be coming out for like a year. Is it really? Because I mean, I don't know. It feels like a long time since I saw a new one. It was over the summer. They said that it was like imminent for the next part. To be I know, released. but I haven't heard anything. Really, I, uh, I actually kind of thought they would be finished the whole thing by now. But no, no exactly. um, I think it's, there's going to be was it eleven chapters or twelve chapters or something. They've only done two. All oh, right. Yeah. I don't know. Check it out anyway. Imps. Um, it's actually was it. Imperial military personnel stories. Yeah, that's the one. That's, that's what exactly what it means. Yep. So check that out. That's quite a good one. Um, what were we talking about? Why did we go into that? Oh yeah, I was talking about debunking films. Anyway, um, yeah. So I don't. We're a bit dubious that this guy actually managed to make it for this amount of money. But if he did, well done to him. Actually, I have to say, if he actually managed to. Um, either way, these kind of books. We're by the way, interestingly enough, we will probably buy this book because we are interested. Absolutely. Uh, we'll at least have a flick through it and give you a review. Um. But things like these kind of kits, which kind of promise a lot of this kind of stuff. One, for instance, the things like that um, creation station. Um, whether or not that will work, I don't know. It probably will work. I'm just not sure if the quality would be anything above, you know, the kind of webcam quality that you kind of expect. I think really, I think they're aiming it at YouTubers. I think there's actually in the program, there's that send to YouTube link. So, I mean, they're not really aiming it at professional filmmakers, so... You can get to take that kind of thing into account, but a lot of these kind of filmmaking kits they're going to be aimed at a very specific niche, um, and at the moment I think they're aiming at, at YouTubers, the kind of people that make YouTube stuff and send up there. By the way, nothing wrong with that. We're totally behind YouTube. We think it's great that there's all these amateurs making these little shorts for YouTube. I think that YouTube uh, uh, videos being made with the green screen would be absolutely amazing. Could you imagine all the different things you could do? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I mean, we're not, and again, we're not against green screen. I mean, if you. Uh, we're both huge fans of Liam Lynch's podcast, uh, Lynchland. Oh yeah, there was a very cool one that he just did recently where he was inside his own brain. Oh yeah, he does amazing ones, and pretty much all of his shows green screen. He just basically does green screen and then adds in CGI stuff. Yeah, I think we're going to do some pretty interesting things with the green screen uh, for some of our web uh, when we get webcasts, one. Yeah, when we get one, we haven't done. We actually haven't got hold of one yet. Or vids. I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to get a big, a huge, huge sheets of green felt. Yeah, because. Um, I have a belief, that I don't know if it's true or not, but I have a belief that felt um, uh, bounces off light well. And I think it evens out light distribution. I don't know if, I don't know why I've picked that up, but I seem to think that that's the case with felt. No, I think, I think it does. I think it absolutely it? does. I don't know why. I seem to think that felt's going to be a good way to go in terms of light distribution. Um, so we're felt, trying to, felt and canvas. Felt and canvas, two, yeah. two good ones for that. So we're trying to get hold of like a large, large sheets of green felt. Because one, we think it's going to be fairly cheap, but it's getting hold of sheets big enough seems to be the problem. We haven't really found anywhere yet. Yeah, if not online, then probably the art store, John Lewis or something. Yeah, I think we might, we might have to go to John Lewis because the art store doesn't have them big enough. They do have huge rolls in John Lewis, though, downstairs, yeah. of all types of fabric. I think we're going to need something along the lines of, like, what, three metres by three metres or something? Yeah, something like that. Two, two of them, at least. But anyway, um, getting back to these kits. So, the, what, but the, the one thing I say is I think we actually have mentioned in our our budget section a kit called, the, called Podcast Studio. Um which is an interesting kit in that, again, again, these kits only seem to come out for very specific kind of niches. That one is coming out for the podcast niche. 
Um, now, actually, the, the setup that we use for our podcast is actually a more advanced version of Podcast Studio. Mm. And the only reason we have an advanced version, because quite frankly, we do not make use of a lot of the functions of uh, our one. Like Echo. In fact, you should put, you should put the Echo on. put the Echo on. Hold on. Which one is Echo? Next? Echo. Echo. Ooh. That's kind of nice. I'm yeah. in a cave. Giant cave. <laughs> Watch out for the bats. Ah. So anyway, we... Uh, <laughs> So that was Echo. We um, the reason why we got this one is because we're not planning on using it just for podcasting. We're using we're going to be using it as part of our dubbing and foley work later on, uh, which is why it's down as part of our budget. Um, I don't think actually the podcast studio probably isn't down as our budget. I think it was just down there as a, a, something you might want to consider. Um, again, so I mean, we we actually ended up springing for a fairly expensive one, which pushed up our budget quite a bit. But we just really f- felt that in the long run that'd be worth it. The secondary reason as well is because I'm in a band. And we've been kind of toying with the idea of getting one of these things for a while, and I thought maybe it could be useful for live recordings. So, you know, you've got to kind of take all that into account. The podcast studio, the only downside is it only has one microphone, basically. What's the name of your band, by the way, John? <laughs> it's NGO. That's, that's right, NGO. Because I haven't mentioned it yet this episode. Yeah. I, I think I probably have mentioned my band in every every episode. Your band, NGO? My band, NGO. NGO.co.uk. Wow. Well, mm. It's a good band, that NGO. It is a good band. You can get it? this stuff on iTunes. Yeah, yeah, you can actually. It's on iTunes. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't get it on iTunes. It's free other places. Only, yeah, only get it on iTunes to like support us for some reason. Um, anyway, so the, the like the podcast studio is an amazing kit. You get actually fairly good quality headphones. The headphones I'm actually using right now. You get a good microphone. The microphone I'm using just now. You get a microphone stand. The microphone stand I'm using just now. <laughs> you get um, an uh, XLR cable. The XLR cable I'm using just now from this microphone. And um, you get the actual mixing desk. That we're not using that mixing desk because I think we we ended up getting a bigger mixing desk in the end. However, I think it's the same quality you get from this. Yeah, oh, the quality is exactly the same. The only difference is that we have two microphones going into our mixing desk just now. So we have to have a bigger mi- mixing yeah. desk. But that's and the, and the last thing the podcast studio comes with is a audio to USB converter. It's basically a sound card, an external sound card. Yeah. Um, which I think is actually the one that we were using just now is the one that came with the podcast studio. I should point out we actually did buy a podcast studio <laughs> and then later just bought a bigger mixing desk. We actually still have the little mixing desk somewhere. But it's a very small mixing desk you get with it. It's really very much just for a single-person podcast, Yeah. Um, which is what most podcasts are, they're single-person podcasts, so that kind of makes sense. That's an amazing kit, an amazing buy for money. It's much cheaper than buying all the things individually. So that kit we're really behind. So, But the thing is, that kit's made by Behringer, who are like, you know... A fantastic make for audio equipment, mm. uh, and it's, it's actually shocking that they make something as twee as a podcast kit. Yeah. So if you're not going to watch, you get it from, for instance, the Creation Station are f- is from some no-name company that you know, some toy company that I don't know. So it's like who you know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really buying based on a name. I don't know them. Um. So you can kind of kind of watch out who you do that with. Um. Especially when things like that's ultimate. That's that's a cheap thing to do and. Again, it's like if if you just wanted it for YouTube, it's probably fantastic. But you know, you, I'm just going to say you're going to watch. If you want to just get professional qualities, qualities. If you want to get professional quality, you have to maybe think about exactly how these things work and exactly what you're paying for. That's I think that's what I was really wanted to say about the the debunking of kits. Groovy. Eventually, we'll get that book as well and tell you how that goes. I'm really. I I think that um, we should try and do something with the green screen for, uh, you know, like kind of a. Um, like weathermen doing for like the weather and stuff like that, we can mm-hmm. sort of stand at the side and have things flipping around and video, and it could be quite a cool, almost professional style kind of presentation. What for? 
for like uh, some of our web- webcasts. Oh, the, well, the, yeah, the I mean, I think the plan is we're going to try and get a green screen before our next webisode. Yeah, which, hang on, which one is that? That's the... That'll be the screen, the script writing one. Yeah, script writing webisode. Oh, but the, the first not, not, that there's any, not that there's any reason for that at all, by the way, but we're just, we just fancy doing it that way from now on. We, don't, uh, we didn't like our first web webisode. No, it's a wee bit kind of funny. We thought it looked really weird because it's just sitting on my bed with like a rather nasty looking wall behind us. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we I think we can do a lot better. <laughs> yeah, so we're 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 going to do the green screens, try and create the virtual studio thing. But remember, remember, we are all amateurs and we're coming from nothing, and this is uh, so this is all good stuff to see how. Yeah, our yeah, yeah we we're, just, we're just trying stuff out. Um, but yeah, the the first tutorials are also going to be going up at the, at the same time as mm-hmm. the the webisodes, so you guys will actually have something to to physically read and follow um, soon. I think just see just randomly, I think it's actually worth pointing out that one of the most popular podcasts on the internet is Dignation, mm. which is two guys sitting on a couch. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, you know. So I mean, don't don't think you know. I mean, podcasts are about content at the end of the end of the day, guys. It's not really about production calls. And Wayne's World, that was great. <laughs> yeah, Wayne's World, that's right. That was and Tom Green before he became famous same. and then after he became famous. Oh yeah, check out Tom Green's podcast. That's really good. That's actually like side splitting. I was just uh I was just walking around uni the other day just listening to it and I was just like trying yeah. not to laugh. I just it, like. I just we, we just found this randomly last week. We were getting to Miro, I think we talked about Miro last week. Mm. We were getting to Miro and one of the things we found was Tom Green's podcast, which he produces, you know, from his living room. Tom Green is a god. Um for I mean he does one a day. I mean it's amazing. He's doing one every single night. I can't believe he's got that much that much kind of material. <laughs> well, it's it's not really because it's, it's I mean it's, it's a call-in show. It's a very weird kind of structured show because a lot as Tom Green isn't really doing very much in it. He's just making little quips, that, but they're really funny. Yeah. But uh, it's an amazing show for free. Go to go and check out uh, it's TomGreen.com. Yep, sir. Tom and Green. then the show is called The Channel. Um, but actually, see if you just go to TomGreen.com. What is they actually broadcast that podcast? <laughs> wow, broadcast that podcast. They broadcast that podcast live at TomGreen.com in a in a flash kind of video player. Mm. However, see if you go there when they're not broadcasting, they just they do just show Tom Green stuff on loop all day. But there's hours and hours of it. I've actually never seen anything twice on it yet, and I've been I was watching it for hours the other day. So it's awesome. just it's, it's just like old clips of Tom Green stuff. It's really funny. Um, yeah, I'm getting off topic again, aren't we? Why, why are we talking about that? Oh, we're talking about our podcast. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to try and get green screen at some point and try and do a kind of slightly more professional looking webisode um, we didn't put that much effort into our first webisode but that was a bit of a just kind of see how it's done kind of thing mm. um, we we knocked up our first webisode in like an hour pretty much should we do a webisode on making webisodes yeah probably well I think one I think one of them is scheduled it's like webisodes podcasts how to do that mm. or it's a tutorial or something Actually, I think that's just a tutorial, isn't it? Maybe it's just a tutorial. It's really, really made much sense doing a webisode in the webisode. No. Uh, although it could be amusing. It could be. It probably won't be. No, probably not. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's that. What, what else are we kind of supposed to be talking about? Um, I think that's actually pretty, pretty much everything that's on the list today. Well, I have more things on my list. Oh, do you? What's on your <laughs> list? I have... Well, the first thing was uh, the Blender DVDs. They're going to start coming out. Oh yes! Can you still pre-order those? Get your yeah. name on the credits. I wanted to promote those because I was really into that idea. If if you're taking our roots of having CGI in your film and doing it with Blender because it's free, and also because it's it's kick-ass, but you know because it's free, um, then the Blender Foundation are going to start releasing. Well, one, they're going to start releasing more books because they released the only the only really officially supported book at the moment is the, is Essential Blender. Which is a sort of you know get you up to the, with the basics of Blender quickly, mm-hmm. 
which, by the way, is a fantastic book. It's the best book I've read about Blender, and I've read three. Um, it's a really, really good book. Wow, three books. I know, I've read three Blender books. The first two were okay. This one's really good. Um, but they're actually going to start releasing more specific ones. Um, the guy who wrote Introducing Character Animation, he's got a new one coming out next year, which is something, I think it's to do with uh, the particle system and the water system in Blender. Ooh, cool. It's called Crash, Bang and Splash or something. I think I'm going to say Wallop. I don't know, Splash, Crash, I don't know. Have a look for it. It's, it's, that'll be coming out something next year, I think. Splash, Cash, Bang. Mm, I think there's, there's more coming out as well. But um, what they're starting to do is DVDs, which I'm really, really into. So if you're in the Blender community, you probably know about a model called Man Candy. <laughs> Man Candy. Which is a, a, a famous uh, uh, rigged model that was done by a guy called Bassam, I think. Wow, okay. Bassam Cardale, I think is his name. Bassam Cardale, I, I don't know this. He, he worked on Elephant's Dream. He was the director of Elephant's Dream, actually. So what's Man Candy all about then? Well, Man Candy was just a model he made that he rigged up. So it's a rigged up, it's a, 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 it's a model in Blender of a, it's a man, but not really a real man, it's like a kind of abstract, cartoony man. A man made of candy? No, he's just a very smooth, alien-looking kind of guy. But he's, huh. he's, he's got a kind of comedic face, he's a very kind of funny-looking guy. Um, and he's fully rigged, so he's just he's ready to be animated. Oh, cool. So that's really what he's for. People never change his modelling or anything like that. Uh, Man Candy is really uh, just a good tool for like here's a completely rigged, ready to model animation in Blender. Did they let you use that in your own? Series? Yeah, as, as far as I'm aware, Man Candy is completely public domain. Oh, that's very cool. Bass Bassam released in his public domain, which I've got to say is highly to his credit because it's an amazing rig. Um, there's, that a, could be... there's a couple of those kicking about. Like if you if you just want a, a rigged up Blender character, there's a couple kicking about. But I think it's the best one to learn on. Yeah. Uh, and there's like there's, he, he keeps updating, he keeps it, he, he makes sure it's always up to date with the most current version of Blender and stuff. He really does a lot of work on it. It's an amazing, uh, amazing thing to use. And if you actually look out, a lot of tests that are done in Blender use Man Candy as the the character test. Oh wow! Because he's you know I think actually they, they must be getting to the point now of just including Man Candy with Blender because. They include a bunch of primitives with Blender. One of them's a monkey called Suzanne. Mm. Well, you you couldn't know that from the program, but the, the monkey is called Suzanne. But uh, maybe maybe it's just called monkey in the program. Maybe the guy is not interested in uh, letting Blender use it because he still wants to maybe I don't know make some money or whatever from selling the books. If that's no, 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 it's nothing to do with that. I mean, he's he's heavily involved in Blender. All right, okay, well, he'd he'd be t- I think he'd be behind it. I don't know why. I don't know why specifically they don't do it. Maybe there is no easy way to just add in. You know, obviously it's dead easy to have something where you could say add mesh of this type. You know, maybe it doesn't make sense to have, you know, ads. Plus, I mean, Blender doesn't come with demo files. You have to download them separately if you want sample files. So maybe it's just that. Anyway, um, fantastic, I'm going to look out for it. But Blender are going to start doing these DVD tutorials, and the first one is basically all about animating man candy. Um, And I think Bassam's made it. And, yeah, it's just a DVD series tutorial on man candy. And it's relatively cheap for what you're getting, I have to say. I actually did buy another one. It's, it, it's not officially through the Blender Foundation, but it was another guy made it called uh, Modeling the Female Head with Blender. Oh, right, okay. No, I have seen that one. Yeah, yeah I've seen that one. I showed, I showed you that one. That's amazing, that one. That was extremely cheap. Um, I'm sorry, I can't remember who I got that from. It was somebody in the Blender community. I put it directly from them. Do you not have that on DVD as well? It, it came on a DVD. It's actually a bunch of QuickTime files. Oh, okay. But um, that was actually extremely useful to me in learning to do basic modeling in Blender. I actually highly recommend that DVD. But it sounds like Blender are going to start kind of doing this sort of thing officially. So the first one is this Man Candy one, which is sort of an animation one. And Andy Goralcic is going to do the second one. Mm, okay. I think he's going to do one on modelling. 
That should be quite good then, so, actually. As well. I'm a big fan of. I'm actually a big fan of both of them. They were both guys that were involved in Elephant Stream. They did. They did amazing jobs in uh, some of the stuff. Uh, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of my favourite shots from Elephant Stream are from those two guys. They, they're really, really good animators, and uh, I'm really looking forward to these DVDs coming out. So I think we. I thought we just plug those a wee bit because. Well, one, I mean, if you buy them, it helps Blender. It gives them money. You know, Blender is sort of a charity. I think it has charitable status. Oh, does it? Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realise that. Yeah, because there's the Blender Foundation, which is classed as a charity. Is that common through all open source stuff then? No, no. Okay. No, it's not that common, actually. But there is a Blender Foundation, which is, I believe is the charity that sort of supports Blender. And Blender, of course, have just started the Blender Institute this year. Oh, that is exciting. Yeah. So the Blender Institute, they're the ones that are doing the, the kind of the more outreach programs. They're the ones that are now, they're like making the next open source movie, uh, Project Peach. Oh, also very, very cool. And they're going to be making the first open source, not first open source game, <laughs> loads of open source games. Uh, the first Blender open source game. I don't know if it actually is the first Blender open source game, but they're making a game anyway. So that means they're going to have to be improving the game engine because it's going to be better. Well, you know, not really, because the final game is actually going to be using the Crystal Engine. What's the Crystal Engine? It's a big open source game engine. Fair enough. Does it plug into Blender then, I take it? No. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> it's like in a joint project between Blender and Crystal, the Crystal Engine people. I thought you were saying the Crystal Maze and I was going to give you extra kudos points. I think it's the Crystal Engine. The Crystal Engine? Is that, is that the name? Crystal Space? That's the name of the engine? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's called Crystal Space. Um, it's a joint project between the two of them and um, Blender's going to be used for, like, the game engine in Blender's going to be used for prototyping. And they're going to be using Blender for modeling and animating things in the game, but they're still going to be using Crystal Space for the final game rendering engine. I think. I think that was the idea. I don't know what's happening with that. I think that was called Project Apricot or something. Hmm. But the new one's called Project Peach, though, isn't it? Yeah. The film's called Project Peach. The f- Elephant Stream was originally called Project Orange. Right. Which uh, Orange actually Orange the, the mobile phone company tried to sue them over. Ah, the nasty people they uh, are. And then the the new film project is called Project Peach, but I think the game project is called Project Apricot. I could be wrong. Check it all out. It's at Blender.org. Hmm. Um, I don't know as much about that. I'm, I guess I'm not truly as interested in that at the end of the day. But, uh, yeah, um, there's also, if you go to the Peach blog, you can get to it from Blender.org. They're being a lot more open about the production than they were about Elephant's Dream. They're, like, posting videos very regularly showing the Blender Institute and what they're getting up to and like they're showing them rigging characters and having weekly meetings and stuff. It's, they're actually being really, really, you know, really trying to keep you all up to date. I remember the, the the Project Orange blog was a wee bit sort of desolate for a long time. You kind of, you got these little snippets of news very rarely. And Peach seems to be doing really cool about keeping everybody up to date. I think they must have a much bigger profile now that they've released uh, the first one and people are actually watching and Maybe more interested. Well, I think it's partly that, but I think it's also the Blender Institute. They're actually that's it's their responsibility. You no, know, because I mean, there's people that work for the Blender Institute, mm-hmm. and maybe there's some people their responsibilities to keep the blog sort of updated. I guess I don't really know. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's some guy going around with a camera that I don't think is part of the actual film itself. Mm. Hey, speaking of the the Blender Institute, wasn't there uh, a kind of course you could apply to do online that was from Pixar that would allow you to be trained professionally in movie making? Yeah, it wasn't actually Pixar. It was ex and current Pixar artists, uh, and from a bunch of other actual professional companies. But it was like Sony movie houses and yeah, it was loads of professional CGI companies. Uh, have we never have we never talked about that before? No, I don't think it's ever come up. Oh, I can't actually remember the name of that was. It was, a, it was an 18-month course. It was an 18-month course that you did part-time over the internet. 
and uh, it was fairly expensive. As I they gave you projects to do, and did you have to buy the software from them, or was it given to you? I can't really remember. No, I had to buy it. It was Maya they were using, and uh, but you didn't have to. You could use any software you liked. But the all the you know files and stuff they give you would be for Maya. So if you didn't use Maya, you'd be kind of screwed a little bit. And then you had to um, do all these kind of tasks that they give you, like just like any other course. And then you would be assessed by actual people from the movie industry. Um, from places like Pixar and Sony and uh, you know Warner Brothers and things like that. And it seemed very, like you actually could interact with these people who are so professional. And then they give you uh, an award at the end of it as well that you could use for, to get to apply for jobs and stuff. Because that's right. I mean, the, the people that you'd be working with, and, and they've all got profiles of the, the movies they actually worked on. In fact, a lot of them have the film reels to show the exact shots that they did. That's so funky. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's like each one of them only has something like three students or four students. I don't know. We'll, we'll see a maximum of ten, maybe. Yeah. So I mean, they're giving you because and the other thing to actually be on the course, you need to have a webcam and have that all, you know, set up. I guess. Yeah. Um. But how, do you remember how much it was? It was. It was uh, very expensive. You're talking like actual college fee level. It's like eighteen thousand dollars or something ridiculous. Yeah. Like it that. was. It was a pricey course, but you got to admit, I mean, what you're getting out of it's pretty cool. I can't remember what it was called though. Do you remember? Mm, no, unfortunately, I can't. I that was quite a while ago, there. actually. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I'm assuming it's still going. I don't see why it would stop. Yeah. Well, because no, because you you were looking at the kind of possible intake for this year, which is now running. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and it, it restarts every six months, and mm-hmm. uh, you can sort of join up whenever. Um, I'm, I'm looking at some really random websites here to see if I can find a link for it. I heard I heard somebody randomly refer the other day to Australia as uh, to be like the the Crystal Maze. Uh, the, it was it was really it was on the radio. They said this is sorry way off on a tangent. They uh, they uh, the guys were saying that the the different areas of Australia are so bizarre, like so different and random that that it was almost like the Crystal Maze, like kind of we're in the pre-industrial zone and now we're going to the Aztec zone and like kind of. Underwater zone and such. You know. I don't know. I thought it was the weirdest way to refer to Australia I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, just to get, just to tell you there. That's pretty kind of odd. Pretty pretty random. Pretty yeah, random what indeed. What's this company called? Was it not? Did the link not originally come from the Pixar website? No. Uh, Definitely not. Would it not be on there? Would it not be advertised? Or do a search for a Pixar induction course or Pixar movie making or I've done like Pixar animation course to see if there was anything that come up. Um I don't recognise any of these names. I'm sure I recognise the name if I saw it. Mm. Gosh, what was it called? I cannot remember. It's bad I actually haven't got that somewhere. AnimationInsider.net is interesting. I think it was just one of those things that was really interesting at the time, and then when you saw the price, it was like, ooh, time to put it down. It's one of those things, I, I can kind of see myself doing that at some point in the future if I have a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Mm, see, I would rather buy a DeLorean, I have to say. Truth be told, I think I'd actually probably rather do this than not have a DeLorean. Really? Yeah, I probably would. Really? But it's a DeLorean. But it's like, it's like being taught by, you know... It's like having Steven Spielberg teach you how to do movies. Well, that is very cool, but it's a DeLorean, John, a DeLorean. Yeah, but I mean, if I'm making the kind of money I'm willing to do this, I could probably buy a DeLorean as well. 
Well, you know, you can get you can get a brand new DeLorean. I don't, I don't see myself being in a position where I was scrimping and saving to do this course. I'd have to have a lot of money to be willing to like separate it to this course. Uh, I say a brand new DeLorean. I actually mean a refurbished DeLorean because obviously there are no brand new DeLoreans. Although I did hear that the demand for DeLoreans because everyone who um, was watching Back to the Future when they were a kid who... Uh, just like me, who are now in a position to be buying these things, i.e. 26 to 32, 33, um, are now uh, wanting to buy them uh, buy them and stuff because they can. And there's such a demand that, um, that the DeLorean Motor Company, which is still in existence actually in Texas, is getting uh, demands for about 40 vehicles a month or something. So they're actually going to be putting them back into production, uh, which I thought was amazing. Um, but it's costing about sixteen to twenty thousand pounds, and that includes all the importation costs and stuff to get your DeLorean and get it done up. And if you pay an extra five thousand pounds, they'll even cut the back of it off. Well, not the whole thing, but they cut the back window off and they'll kit it up so it looks like the one from the Back to the Future films, which is super geeky. But it's something I would love to drive down the street just for the looks. Yeah, that's pretty geeky. It's pretty good though. It's either that or you can spend like what a couple of thousand pounds and hire the the bat uh, Batmobile Ooh, for a day. Knocking um, some random stuff. Over. John's breaking stuff. Animation workshop. Have oh, you found it yet? Oh, no, I found some Dutch place. Ah, John, 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 John. Looks pretty cool though. Mm-hmm. Found an interesting place here called Animwork.dk. It's a Dutch animation workshop. Animwork. Animwork. Uh, interesting. We'll wonder what they do. They teach uh, animation. Do they do it to any real... Uh, in Viborg, Denmark. Do, is it? Do they do anything like... Is it just a course? Mm, yeah, I guess so. I see. It's kind of a really boring podcast as I just search through the internet. We're not willing to put it down. Well, the internet's extremely addictive. Must find it. Must find it. <laughs> Google's good. Do you remember the days before Google? Do you remember when people used to use things like uh, Lyco search or... Or even better, the Alta Vista. I, I used to use Alta, uh, Alta Vista. Yeah. Alta that was like Alta the best. Alta Vista was amazing. This when was I first like, started, I used Yahoo. It was like early days. Yeah. Was, was Alta Yahoo. Vista was in, when the, well, Yahoo was an index. Yeah. Whereas Alta Vista was actually a web crawler, wasn't it? Yes, that's right. I like, no, was I, Lycos was the same. Lycos was also a web, web crawler. Yeah. The Lycos Hotbot Excite, which then got bought by MSN, or Microsoft, sorry. And then uh, Google came out, just for a little bit of history on the internet there. Hmm. Um, yeah. I'm never going to find this, man. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, I have no idea. That was the thing that's really annoying me. Like, where did I even find it? I have a feel like odd, odd feeling that maybe Blender Nation had it. Maybe it was a dig thing or something. Um, Maybe. I don't think it was, though. Somehow that doesn't sit right with me. Hmm. Do how long has this podcast been going on for now? Or sorry, this episode of this podcast. Um, fifty-five minutes, but a lot of that's just been me pretending to search the internet. I see. Well, I think uh, we were, that we're, we're going to we're going to talk about stuff like people getting credit and all that kind of stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Where's the? I've just like oh, there people, is people getting credit because we were talking about an, uh, inventions earlier on. All that stuff with the TV. Oh yes, that's right. Um, kind of a random question that had come up. We were uh, talking about. Um, <laughs> it's pretty had... two thirty in the morning. What the heck are we doing? Is it? Whoa, two thirty in the morning. What are we doing tomorrow? Continue. <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to go on to anyway. Um, 
uh, yeah, we, we kind of like random question. We're talking about who invented the TV. Now, of course, if you're in Scotland, you'll instantly say, "Well, it was John Logie Beard, of course." And uh, oh, you, oh, oh, I found it. I found it. It's animationmentor.com. There you go, animationmentor.com. I'm going to bookmark that now. <laughs> Excellent. So I never lose it again. We can write a write a, a thingy on that in the news page. Yeah. Talk about it in more depth. Because that is a very cool podcast. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're Scottish or British or you know better, you'll you'll say <laughs> it was John Logie Beard, and uh, you'd be completely right. It was, but there's a lot of controversy over exactly who should be considered to be uh, the one who invented television because it was a um, oh, I've forgotten the names now. There was there was a Russian guy who invented the first uh, tube, um, electron tube thing that was that's what most modern TVs are now based on. Um, if you're if you're of course cathodry, and um, he was he got the patent for the first electron beam gun, and then a 14 year old kid uh, in America um, came up with the same concept and also got a patent for a very similar one, and. Uh, um, John Logie Baird demonstrated um, it being the transmission of grayscale, was it? John um, Logie Baird? Yeah. What, what in 1926. John Logie Baird had the first successful live transmission of animated grayscale images. In 1926 to the Science Council of the Wirelessly. UK. Yeah. And then the next... The next um, one was the, this Russian guy managed to, although he had the the kit that he made himself, he didn't actually get it working properly and doing exactly that until 1936 or something. It, so was, it, was, it was a fair bit later. It was about 10 years or so later than John Logie Baird. So John Logie Baird, although did invent the television as we're concerned, uh, there was a little bit of controversy because... It in, depends. It kind of depends what you class as the television. Yeah. Because like for me, the television is the live transmission... Wireless, the live wireless transmission of animated images beyond the level of two tone, mm. i.e., silhouette images. Yes, and by that definition, John Logie Baird was definitely the first person to ever do that. Um, I mean that was that is pretty much the way television. You know, television wasn't improved on after that for a long time, except in terms of clarity or stuff. But in terms of the basic concept, that was it, and John Logie Baird was the first person to do it. However, I mean, in America, they, they they give some other guy credit who, in, who he invented his television in like 1928. It was like two years later. Yep. But he he did invent it completely independently of of John Logie Baird. But I think it's unfair that he gets the credit. But that actually that wasn't the issue we were actually talking about. The issue we were talking about was whether or not, um, sorry, was it this Russian guy? It was Zvorkin. Um, Vlad- oh, Vladimir Zvorkin. Zvorkin. Was the guy who came up with the first? Um, um, Scott and I were having a little debate about whether or not he should be credited with having invented the television, because he had the I, he was the first person to have the idea, I guess. Well, actually, the first person to have the idea was uh, the Marconi Company. Okay, well, he was the first person to have a design, was it? Uh, like a design? Yeah, he had. Um, he, was, well, he was the first person to have a, a a design for a mechanical television system. It was called the Iconoscope. Was was the yeah. electron scanning tube that he. He invented in 1923, and that's when he patented the. Yeah, but I mean, the, the scanning scope isn't the television, though. My no, point no, is, that he, he had yeah. designs for a television system. Yes, he did. So Scott and I were arguing whether or not that meant that he should be classified as the inventor of the television, because he was the first person to have designs for a television system. And my argument was, well, yes, but his designs didn't actually work, or else he would have got it made a lot quicker. Yeah. Of course, we can never really know if that's true or not, but that was my contention anyway. And the fact that John Logie Baird, who never saw those designs, you know, we'd have no idea when his earliest designs were. 
All we know is that he had a, a working demonstration of a television before anybody else. It was uh, 1900-something. It was right at the beginning of the 1900s. What was? Um, John Lugiebeard had his first uh, concept of building a TV uh, in the, the teens of the 1900s. Oh, did and I? I didn't he paused his work to go to, well, basically university to study um, electronics and mm-hmm. stuff and then came back to it later. And at that point, he then finished off his work in, in 1926, had the first successful... Um, demonstration of television. Mm-hmm. He also, he, he, I had another, a lot of other firsts as well. He, um, he was the first person to have a ship-to-shore television communication, and he was the first person to transmit television across the Atlantic. Mm. And he invented the stereoscopic television. Mm, that's very cool. And I don't know, he invented a bunch of other stuff. He, I think he kind of he never really perfect, perfected his first invention, though. He started moving on to other things. Which is why we don't actually use his design today. I think the BBC used it for the first five or six years. And there was a German station that used it, I believe. Mm. Um, but yeah. Anyway, um, but the issue was whether or not John Lieber should get credit because this other guy had the the potential to have a television, I guess. Um, and he has an earlier recorded potential. And uh, my argument was, well, if you're going to kind of take it to that kind of, that kind of step, then very few inventions can be attributed to a single person because almost everything that's invented nowadays is in some way built upon the efforts of previous uh, giants. I mean, that's where the expression standing on the shoulders of giants comes from. Mm, I mean, you've got Faraday. Obviously, you wouldn't have electromagnetic yeah. transmissions without Faraday and stuff. So. Faraday invented electromagnetic You wouldn't have electricity at all, supposedly without Thomas Edison, although it was probably somebody else. Mm, Tesla, Tesla. Yeah, we're, what did he actually invent electricity? Well, he's credited with um, AC, is it, uh, AC, AC currents, but I mean, electricity is a concept, because that was really... Um, well, that was God, surely. <laughs> no, it was the, the American dude. Um, Thomas, Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson, yeah. He sort of discovered electricity, didn't he? Yeah, but it was, is that true? That whole kite thing, with the key at the end of it, is that true? Well, that's what he wrote in some journal somewhere. Um, well, if that's the case, then he discovered that, that it was harnessable. Yeah. But the actual concept of making it into something like a useful Getting it current, useful is probably like Tesla got that done. Direct current or AC was... But, you know, but as the point was, oddly enough, Thomas Edison owns the patent because Thomas Edison owns more patents than anyone ever. Yes, uh-huh. Because By a lot. He, he, a lot of people worked for Edison, but he got all the patents. Didn't matter yes. what, who invented it, if they worked for Edison, Edison got the patent. It was his yeah. name that went down. And the reason why we were, there was controversy was because Tesla was working for Edison when yeah. he got the patent for DC current. Tesla then got really angry and then left and then came up with his own AC current, which is now what we all use. Yeah. But it was therefore suggested that it was actually Tesla who came up with the whole DC thing as well. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Tesla, I mean, by the way, I'm not, we're not suggesting that Thomas Edison wasn't a genius. We probably was. But Tesla was definitely a genius as well. And who knows how many of his inventions, uh, Edison took the credit for while he was working for him. Anyway, um, so that kind of leads us back to some stuff that Lawrence Lessig was saying about um, culture and the way it builds on previous works, which is really the reason I wanted to kind of discuss this stuff. Um, I was thinking I was talking in a previous episode, I think possibly when I did by myself, that culture was a evolutionary mechanism and it builds on previous things. Mm. Um but my point was, at the end of the day, the person that actually creates it is is the creator. The person that actually does the final step is the one that has to be credited with the stuff. Um, which is where Creative Commons sort of fits in quite well. And it allows that. It allows a mixing of things. And it allows you to kind of, to a certain extent, take credit for it, but not to ignore the people that you built on top of. Not to ignore the giants mm. whose shoulders you're resting upon. 
I just I, I don't know. I really like that idea. And the other things we were talking about, there's been a lot of um, weird stuff going on with copyright law just now. There's a guy who wrote an article. I really should research this stuff before we start talking about it. But there was a guy, a guy who wrote an article mm. about his um, predicted copyright infringements over the course of a year. Okay. And this was a guy that didn't use, you know, he didn't do illegal downloading of music or videos or piracy or anything like that. Just a regular Joe. Regular Joe. And he estimated some obscene number. It was I, I, it was either in the millions or the billions of dollars a year he estimated was his copyright infringement. Um, but if you actually look at copyright laws, they are all messed up. It's stuff like if you send an email to somebody and they hit reply and the reply by default generally includes your original email, they're breaking copyright law because mm. they don't have your express permission to, you know, include your original work, which was your email. And that's what this guy was looking at, wasn't it? Yeah, it was all that kind of stuff he was looking at. I was just saying, you know, what copyright law actually states is ridiculous. You yeah. can't do anything. And one of the, one of the, the and another good one is, see if you've ever caught yourself singing somebody else's tune, you know, a tune that you didn't come up with, just any other tune, like a pop song or anything, in public. It's like walking down the street, anywhere, humming it to yourself. That's copyright infringement. That's public performance. You know, it's just a bunch of stuff like this. You know, whistling to yourself if it's not your tune is like, you know, because like singing happy birthday in a public place is clearly copyright infringement, you know. Yeah. It gets pretty ridiculous. It really does. So, yeah, anyway, I, I think it's kind of, there's a lot of kind of stuff that, there's definitely messed up areas of copyright law. But I think um, one of the things that we we're trying to promote is this idea of, you know, everything we do is ultimately sort of built on the steps of previous people. Just because that's the way that um, culture works. And that's culture in scientific terms, academic terms, artistic terms. That's just the way culture works. And, you know, if um, if you really have taken inspiration even just from somebody, you should give them, a, give them a, a credit in some way. I mean, our film, I don't know if we're actually going to give any direct credits to people. We're not sure exactly who to thank at this point. but um, Well, everybody. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of it's, it's actually almost too hard now because there's so many people that were directly involved in our inspiration from when we were born. You know, um, so it's maybe like it's to too, too hard mother. to specifically pull people out. But and my father certainly, if you actually ever use anything direct and you know actually take an original source and you know play about with it, you should definitely give that author credit, even if that wasn't in the. I actually kind of say at this point, even if it wasn't in the license conditions, you should just do it anyway. Just because it's a cool thing to do, and realize that you know, I I significantly took a lot of your work and did stuff with it. Um, but at the same point, that that just doesn't stop the fact that you should still get credit for the original work that you created out of that. And I'm all for that as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's just all I wanted to really say. And that it was a Scotsman that invented the television, not an American. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, we invented America. <laughs> oh, that's one of the other controversial statements we came up today that we thought would uh, really annoy people. That's true, though. Brit- well, it's actually probably more England than anything. But- Spain discovered America, but England invented it. Was that the controversial statement we came up with? Yeah. Well, if that doesn't get people interested in uh, making comments, what will? <laughs> <laughs> Put discussion, darn it. Uh, uh, we're, we're not desperate, it's fine. We, no. don't, we don't need your love. <laughs> I do. Oh. Um... Oh, this, this was just going on and on. We should stop. Yeah, let's just stop. Okay. Um, I don't think we have anything else to say that's of remote interest. I to you. I actually just want to say I just want to say uh, congratulations to Kevin Rudd. Who's Kevin Rudd? He's the new Australian Prime Minister. Oh yeah. Okay, Kevin Rudd. Yeah. Well done, Kevin. 
Well done, Kevin Reed. There's just random applause there. Um, yeah, John Howard is out. So there you go. Uh, yep, yeah, so. Taxes, eh? <laughs> <laughs> taxes. Taxes, indeed. Oh, that's not the taxes. Um, so uh, hopefully we'll have something a bit more structured next week. Yeah. Actually, I don't know if we will because I think the the next week is my my deadline for my PhD thing that I've been going on about the last wee while is Friday. It's next Friday, so um, we'll work on film stuff again next Saturday, and um, we'll see how much we get done. But the thing is, I think the plan is next Saturday and throughout the week after that to the following Saturday, the the script has to be done. Um, and we might start talking a bit more about the script writing process, which we have, we, we've been a bit sheepish about the exact uh, things that have cropped up in the script writing process. We might try and discuss that in a bit more detail. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess, is that it for now? That's it. Okay, well, you're, uh, you've been listening to Fictionality at fictionality.co.uk. Uh, I'm John Ferguson. I'm Scott Heron. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again soon. Peace out. Bye.